There's a story, and this is a true story, a story of a man named George who, on the surface, might have seemed rather ordinary, even forgettable. But he became very memorable to one couple, a man and a woman, who were traveling with their sick daughter. George, this man, man of humble beginnings, he offered to help this young family. And that action, that was a key moment that opened the door for him to step into the job of his dreams. I'll tell you all about it coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Josh Rayner. Hello and welcome to The Inner Life here on this Monday. I'm Josh Raymond, so glad to be with you. Hope your week is off to a good start. So, George, his full name, George Bolt. Uh, he was 13 years old when he arrived in New York, and he had immigrated from Prussia. This was in 1864, last year there, kind of of the, the American Civil War. When he arrived, he didn't have any money, but he started washing dishes in a hotel in New York and he worked hard in those first years. He saved his money and he invested it in a chicken farm. This is down in Texas. Unfortunately, the farm, it shortly failed after he invested in it. And so George, he found himself having to start over. He left Texas and he traveled back up to the northeastern U.S. This time he found himself working at a hotel in Philadelphia. He started at the bottom again, washing dishes back in the kitchen. But he was a hard worker, and he was soon able to move up to be the cashier at the hotel. His industriousness, his attention to service for the hotel guests, it made such an impression that he was eventually offered the job of hotel manager. So he'd really worked his way up there. It was, wasn't a, a large hotel, only 24 rooms, but George, he took great care in his role as the manager of this hotel. And it was at this point in George's life where this young couple came into his hotel. It was a rather stormy night there in Philadelphia. The husband and wife, they were traveling with their sick daughter, and they asked for a room for the night. But the hotel, it was full. All the rooms were either reserved or currently occupied. But George, he acted in what was his typical fashion. He offered his own room, actually, for the couple to use the night, especially with their daughter who was ill. The man and the woman, they were stunned at this generosity, but George, he assured them, no, it's, it's fine, take the room. As the story goes, when the father, he came to pay the bill the next morning, he paid George, and he said to George, you know, finding people who are both friendly and helpful is rare these days. You're the kind of manager who should be the boss of the best hotel in the United States. Well, it turns out that this husband and wife, they were close relatives of William Waldorf Astor, the man who built the Waldorf Astoria Hotel. And the man and woman who had experienced that kindness and that hospitality from this humble hotel manager at that small hotel in Philadelphia, they persuaded their relative, Astor, that George was the exact man he was looking for to manage his new hotel there in New York City. Well, the job offer was made. George Bolt took the job offer. He went on to manage the Waldorf Astoria. He is credited as having invented room service. If you've ever ordered any food coming to your room, you have George Bolt to thank for that. 
Even later in life, however, he still kept that humble air about him. In a biography of Nikola Tesla, he described George Bolt as, quote, mild-mannered, undignified, unassuming. Well, today we celebrate the feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. She appeared to someone who also might be described as mild-mannered, undignified, and unassuming. Mary appeared to St. Juan Diego, a man who, at his canonization, was described by Pope John Paul II, now St. John Paul II, as simple and humble. Those are the words of John Paul II, simple and humble, describing Juan Diego. And we see again and again how God chooses to work through people who are humble, people who might not seem all that important. Or on the surface, they appear to be simple, nothing special. These are the ones that God uses to impact our world. And so today on The Inner Life, we want to spend this hour looking at how God used someone like Juan Diego and how Our Lady's message, her her apparition to him, changed the world. And then we want to talk about how we also can have that same attitude, how we can grow in humility, how we can overcome the sin of pride how we can allow God to work through us to impact the world around us for his kingdom. Joining us for our conversation today, Father Sam Martin is back with us once again. Father Martin is a priest in the Diocese of La Crosse, Wisconsin. He is the pastor of Holy Name of Jesus Parish in Wausau, Wisconsin. Father, welcome back to The Inner Life. Oh, Josh, it's an honor to be with you and our all of our listeners. A great feast day, Our Lady Guadalupe, which for all the Americas is so significant. It's almost 500 years now since she came, and uh, to think about her presence, Juan Diego, what they signify in Mexico and here and and all around the world, what a beautiful day that we can spend a little time together. Absolutely. Well, and and that's a great place to start the hour. You know, we can talk about how we can grow in humility, but can you tell us a little about Juan Diego, St. Juan Diego, and Our Lady's apparition to him? Well, we know that he was Catholic already. There weren't many probably by that point. So when Cortes came, and that was, I think, 1502 or whatever, and then they, the battle with uh, Montezuma, and, and eventually the, the Spaniards kind of had a, uh, a foothold there. But what really changed the, uh, the lay of the land, the Franciscans came, and the, uh, they walked barefoot from Veracruz, where they land, all the way, uh, landed all the way to Mexico City. And that impressed uh, many of the people, that the, uh, the humility and uh, the simple nature, I mean, just like what would one day be found in Juan Diego and so many of the saints, these uh, hallmark features of disciples, followers of Jesus. So they came, and uh, eventually some people were persuaded by the good news, the gospel, the evangelization that began with those Franciscans. And so Juan Diego had been a convert. Uh, He had already been baptized, and so uh, I preached on something similar last week on his feast day, uh, that why? That's the question that we ask. Why did the Blessed Virgin Mary appear to Juan Diego? And that's a fair question. Would we be ready for an apparition like that? What does it take to be you know, chosen to, for such a great honor? And the simplicity, which is an attribute of God, too, and the humility, which, of course, we see so beautifully in Our Lady of Humility, uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary. And Juan Diego is... Uh, so here's an Aztec man, uh, native to that, that part of the world and living in a, a man of his time. But he had already received this beautiful uh, faith, this faith in Jesus. And so to meet the mother of Jesus, I mean, he would have been the right person to have 
understood and appreciated that. He was um, he felt somewhat threatened, you know, that he, there's fear. He's a human being, and he doesn't exactly know how to respond. Plus, his uncle is sick, and so he's trying to attend to that. And, and then this woman, that, and she wants me to go tell the bishop, and who am I to talk to the bishop? And he's a Spaniard, Zumarraga, and, uh, and so probably he felt uh, the, the intimidation of going to someone who has kind of conquered our land and to tell him to build a, a church. I mean, I, I just don't know if I... Maybe, you know, beautiful woman, you should go talk to somebody else. But in the end, uh, she persuaded him, you know, am I not here who am your mother? So anybody that ever goes to Tepeyac, that little hill where uh, the Castilian roses, where he picked them up and he put them in his tilma and he took them to the, the archbishop, if you get to that little hill, I mean, the shrine itself is fantastic because of the image. The tilma's inside, you get a chance to see it and be awed by it, that it hasn't changed and there was a bomb went off near it, all these things that have happened. But there it is, the image that appears now as it did then, and uh, it's a miraculous image. But if you get up the little hill where the one apparition took place, there's a chapel there, and uh, it's really remarkable, the grace that is given. People that go there are moved. Uh, you feel like a child. You feel the, the motherhood of, of the Blessed Virgin Mary. You feel that St. John was right when he said that we are God's children now. What we're later to be has not been revealed, but we are his children. And so this divine filiation, Juan Diego uh, really experienced that. And when he became more childlike, he was able to approach the bishop, not with this inordinate fear, but with a confidence that comes that I'm not doing my will, and this is about God and about his will. And that's what Mary tells the world, that once she decides that this is a divine intervention, then she can... Give her fiat, let it be done unto me according to thy word. And so this is the role model for all of us uh, in faith and as human beings is to trust someone other than ourselves, other than the trappings of this world, money, fame, fortune, all this, uh, these things. Like your great story at the beginning there, Josh, about this George Bolt, I think, gosh, it's uh, in a place like the Waldorf Astoria, which is probably noted for the, these are the well-heeled people of our world, the important people. But George, in his own way, he kind of showed that uh, the way we treat people, it shows that uh, the goodness in us, it's a, a litmus test of where we're at, the humble of heart that can love in a more generous way. Yeah, well, and as you're talking about, you know, what that person is, that litmus test that shows how they are interiorly, um, you know, that goes back to what God says. I, you know, man looks on the outside, I look on the inside. And whether it is people that we see in the Old Testament, you know, Moses, who said, you know, nobody's going to listen to me when God said, I want you to go and speak before the Pharaoh, when uh, King David is chosen to be the new king of the nation of Israel. And the prophet Samuel goes out to Jesse, the father of David, and says, call, call your sons here, because one of them, I, I am, I'm supposed to anoint them to be king. And Jesse brings out one after another of his sons until they get through all of them, except for one who nobody expects it to be. You know, the smallest kind of, almost seems like it's the runt of the litter, so to speak, there with King David. We see that, we see it in other famous apparitions of our Blessed Mother. Uh, you know, she appears and she speaks to those who would, on the surface, we would typically consider them unimportant. 
with uh, Our Lady of Lords, there's St. Bernadette, Our Lady of Fatima. She appears to these three poor peasant shepherd children. We have Our Lady of Good Help here in the U.S. Um, Mary appears to this simple farm girl, an immigrant, Adele Bryce. She just wanted to become a teacher and a sister. If not for the fact of God or Our Lady working in the lives of these people, I think their lives, their stories, they would just be lost to history. Nobody would know them because they would they would seem like there's nothing all that special, nothing important. Why do you think God does choose over and over to work through these people who seem to be nobodies? Well, there was a, a theological axiom from St. Thomas Aquinas, the thing is received according to the mode of the receiver. So it always says something about uh, the docility that God, he gives himself, but to some hearts they're so caught up with the world or their own plans and their own way of, of approaching life where sometimes others are, their plans are, are not so clear. They, they can't control, they don't have the, the sort of authority or the sort of power, and, and so they're just more docile. Maybe they're more available, and uh, listening to the description of all those who, you know, had these Marian apparitions, so like, gosh, I don't think Mary's ever going to appear to me, not yet, because my heart is not so much like a child. I, so many of us are caught up in, you know, being useful, being productive, and that's where our self-worth comes from. But when you're little, you know, that you can't do much. And then, of course, you're not going to proclaim yourself because there's not a whole long list of accolades of things you've accomplished. All you can say is that she's beautiful, she's kind, she told me things that I'm supposed to, to share with you, but then the, the messenger doesn't get in the way of the message. And so I think that many times that we, um, you know, this is the humility of John the Baptist, that he must increase, but I must decrease. And for those who are able to live that way, it's more clear that this is a person that's pointing to someone else. They're saying, not to us, Lord, but to your name, give the glory that, of course, we don't there'd be a false humility to speak disparagingly about ourselves or to say that I'm nothing special. In a way, we are, absolutely. Uh, it wouldn't be honoring our Creator to think anything less. But these children, these uh, in Juan Diego, in the case of uh, his apparition, he's a little bit older, but uh, not an old man by any stretch, but a child at heart. So I think that we want to examine in our lifetime, looking at how docile, how ready am I uh, Am I for God if he were to interrupt my plans, if he were to suggest another way of thinking? or All the people that we meet each and every day, uh, that's Christ passing by. And so many times that reveals that sometimes I think I treat that person well, so I could give myself a grade. But then here comes somebody that really reveals where I'm at. I'm like, gosh, that's uh, very humbling. So, But these are the opportunities, the invitation to learn to love this is Jesus' great, uh, his new commandment, uh, to love one another as I have loved you. Okay, Lord. Well, first we have to be like a child. Let him love us and rejoice in that love, receive that love. We need that every day. And from that, we have a, you know, a source of where our love comes from. That all we'd say is that, well, you know, he did it for me. So, I mean, I gave you what was his, but it is his. It's not like, and so when Paul Later on, Apollos are going to worship them. And then, no, 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 we're just creatures. You know, that we, I am what I am by the grace of God. So what you see is a reflection of, of who God is. And you can worship him, and we can thank him together. 
but don't get excited about me. I carry these treasures in earthen vessels, and I'm no, and so even the angel, you know, at the end of the book of Revelation, where John is tempted to worship, and the angel says, no, no, I'm a creature too. So uh, to be childlike, to be uh, docile, to be like Mary, which is a great goal that St. Louis de Mont for the total consecration to Mary, is to become like a child, to be little, and then to be ready. And the, those children, uh, Francisco, Jacinta, uh, Lucia, Bernadette, I mean, they just teach us uh, that, oh, there's something very beautiful about their, the space that is in their heart, which maybe because they're so little, it was uh, more natural for them. And uh, we get older on the outside, but the goal of our spiritual life is to get younger on the inside, and that's the work of grace. Talking with Father Sam Martin today here on The Inner Life, and uh, one of the things that I really like that you said was Mary appearing, you know, the messenger doesn't necessarily have anything so much to brag about themselves, so that messenger doesn't get in the way of the message. And I think that's where we should pick up coming up next. Also want to open up the phone lines. If you're listening and you'd like to join the conversation, our phone number here into the studio is 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Talking about the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe, St. Juan Diego, Our Lady appeared to him 491 years ago, and how he can be an example of humility for us, how we can be like that, that messenger that doesn't get in the way of the message. What has helped you to recognize where maybe you have a little bit of pride that's getting in the way? You need to grow in that virtue of humility, or maybe you've been able to grow in that. What has helped you to, to exercise that virtue of humility? Is there one or two specific maybe practices or tactics that have been particularly uh, useful in growing in humility in your life. Or maybe you're not sure how to take that first step and you'd like some advice from Father Martin. Again, our phone number, 888-914-9149. We'll be right back in just a moment. You're listening to Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. The Catholic Order of Foresters, the sponsor of our studio's line, is hiring today. Several positions available throughout the U.S. Visit RelevantRadio.com Forester to learn more about how you can find your vocation with COF, an Illinois Life Insurance Society not licensed in all states. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Happy Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. I'm Josh Raymond. Today, speaking with Father Sam Martin. He's a priest in the Diocese of La Crosse, Wisconsin, and talking about Our Lady of Guadalupe, of course, and the example that we have of St. Juan Diego, who Our Lady appeared to, how we can look at his example, his humility, and as Father Sam Martin put it before the break, that we can be a messenger that doesn't get in the way of the message. And inviting you into the conversation as well, how have you been able to set your own pride aside? How have you been able to grow in that virtue of humility? And that's not an easy thing to do. It's something that is a lifelong process 
Um, but that's what we're talking about here today. How can we grow in that virtue of humility? Our phone number to call in and speak with Father Martin, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. So, Father, how do we begin as we start looking at that virtue of humility? How, maybe at first we should talk about what the Church actually means when we talk about humility. Can you help us define that? Because, you know, sometimes it it, it can uh, have, uh, I, I think, kind of the the familiar phrase that we might hear quite often is, meekness does not equal weakness. Yeah, there are a lot of things that I suppose one could say. I mean, St. Augustine defined pride as inordinate self-love to the point of contempt for God. So we get so into what we want and how we want it that we have no time, especially not for God. His will be done? No, thank you. My will be done. And so that's the beginning of pride. And so the the devil, Lucifer, non serviam, I will not serve. I'd rather, you know, so uh, Milton puts in Paradise Lost that the devil said, I'd rather reign in hell than serve in heaven. And that's the recipe for misery, but even so, that was his choice. So humility, of course, is the opposite of pride, is a love of God to the point of not really contempt for ourselves, but we kind of forget ourselves. I, somebody told the true story of uh, Don Shula, who was a longtime uh, coach for the uh, Miami Dolphins, and one summer they had the family up in Maine or something on a vacation, he and his wife and five kids, and it was a rainy day, and they couldn't go do some of the things they wanted, so they went. They were in a little town, and they went to the theater, the movie theater, and they got there, and... Uh, there were just, a, I don't know, a handful of people in there, and as soon as they walk in, the Shulas, uh, some folks turn around and they see it's Don Shula, and they get up and they start to clap and applaud, and he's like, well, you know, he's just like smiling, yeah, thank you, thank you, and he walks up to this guy and he said, like, how'd you know, you know who I am? And the guy said, uh, mister, I don't know who you are, but the manager of the theater just said, if we don't get five or six more people, we don't get to watch the movie today. <laughs> and, of course, I mean, the idea is not that, we think less of ourselves, but that we don't really think about ourselves at all, you know, that we don't take ourselves. What did I think it was Chesterton that said something that the angels can fly because they don't take themselves so seriously. And uh, that's the beginning of humility. There's a false humility that uh, I'm nothing special. And then we're always like the Eeyore kind of speaking down about ourselves or about life in general. No, life is a gift, and it's a tremendous, uh, mysterious, uh, painful gift at times. All those things are... Are true. We just had the beautiful gospel of, of St. John the Baptist, greatest man born of woman, languishing in a jail, and having a moment of real crisis. Like, you know, is he the one? Which is to say, if he is, then why am I here in this jail when I, I just want to be with him? I mean, I spent my whole life preparing the forerunner, doing the things that I was asked to do, and John the Baptist did them, you know, heroically. But now, So wrestling with a God who permits these things, I mean, if you want humility, just try to follow the Lord. Number one is we fail so often, and then we just don't understand him. Our faith seeks to understand, but that comes slowly, sometimes if at all. And that's where we rejoice in the Blessed Virgin Mary and in the saints, that they chose God's will over their own, and they didn't have all the assurance. It didn't always say that it was going to have a, a perfect ending. In the case of Mary, that... You know, Simeon says, a sword of sorrow is going to pierce your heart. This child is destined for the rise and fall of many, and she would remember these things as they began to unfold. 
And who had more suffering than Mary? So suffering can make a person very bitter and cynical and resentful. But in faith, it can make us like God. And in the case of our Blessed Mother, it's exactly what it did. So uh, humility is found typically. It comes its final touch, so to speak. It's polished through the cross, through suffering. But um, for most of us, it comes that, that can be overwhelming, and it can lead to just kind of shutting down. So the church is a, a suffering church, but is a, a triumphant church. She's a militant church. She has all these different features, and uh, we need all of them. And someday, please God, the suffering that we accept, model your life on the mystery of the Lord's cross, will give us a humble, contrite heart. In the case of King David, who writes a whole psalm based on his suffering, which is self-inflicted because of his sinfulness, he writes Psalm 51, which the church recites every Friday. That, uh, you know, that it talks about that how in the spite of our terrible sins, there's still the hope. And he was able to repent, and his trust in the Lord, well, look at how he redeemed. I mean, he takes the worst things of our life and turns them into something that we'd say were the best things, and that's the mystery of the crucifix, that the worst day in human history, we killed God's own son. I mean, we people say, I can't believe this could happen. I, mean, I can't believe that people are capable. Yeah, we, we're capable of some real evil. We get a lot of help from, the, the you know, the enemy of human nature, the devil and his minions, but uh, we're capable of terrible things. But out of that, oh, happy fault, oh, necessary sin of Adam, that one for us so great a redeemer, that somehow God takes our worst and uh, turns it into something holy. But our part, the humble person, allows God to do that. We bring our brokenness, our sadness, our shame. For a lot of us, our sources of, of humility are our struggle with sin, you know, the the mystery of iniquity. That, And we just can't get past it. We can't fix it. We can't and we try to manage it and control it. But that's not faith. That's just fear, and it doesn't work anyway. So then we start to say, Lord, can you help me? Will you give me hope in the midst of this chronic brokenness that every time I'm sad, lonely, discouraged, I go to these things and they, they make me feel worse. I feel shame and guilt now on top of the loneliness that I felt before. Lord, can you do something with that? And of course, I mean, that's the, the story of many of the saints and St. Augustine himself. He said, every saint has a past, every sinner has a future. And uh, allowing God into our sinfulness is an act of trust, which is to say it's a, an act of humility. And a humble, contrite heart, the Lord will not spurn. I think that's not even possible for him, it seems like, to turn away from a humble, contrite heart. So that's the good news, is that, hey, you're right. broken. Uh, well, you're in good company. Yeah. Uh, Bishop Barron used to say, hey, we're all, uh, we're all in the same boat, and we're all seasick. So we may as well admit it and uh, let the Lord do something about it. Yeah, well, you know, I, as you're talking about that, too, it's it's so important that acknowledging our sins, but then not getting into that that area where we make more out of our sins than God makes out of our sins. And I, I don't mean to try and, and downplay the seriousness of sin. That, that's not what I'm saying. But I, I think it's very easy to think our sin is so bad. You know, what we've done is so horrible. Could God really ever forgive me? And you know, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, sure, that might cover everybody else's sin, but uh, maybe not mine. You know, my sin, my sin's pretty bad. It's, it's a little extraordinary. But then I think that all of a sudden, it takes us into this realm where 
even though it sounds like we're being humble, we're almost kind of letting the pride of our sin say that we're better at sinning than anybody else, and to the point that, you know, the, we're the world's greatest sinner. Even God might not be able to help us. So there ha- and I think that goes back to what you were saying about this false humility. A true humility is something that acknowledges our reality of where we are in relationship with God. Doesn't make it more, doesn't make it less, but acknowledges it for what it actually is. It's a deep uh, spiritual trap. I mean, it's uh, in a heavy cross when people struggle that way that uh, many times I think that we, we just struggle to believe that God really loves us in a personal way. And our sinfulness, I mean, the devil loves discouragement. It might be his favorite weapon. And the story that Scott Hahn used to tell about um, the priest that left his priesthood because he, you know, just struggled with alcohol and then how, you know, he met Pope John Paul. I mean, just the summary of the story and and John Paul kicks everybody out of the uh, the room and talks to this guy and asks him, you know, would you hear my confession? And he said, well, I'm not a priest anymore. He said, well, I'm the Bishop of Rome. I can reinstate you. And that the, the beggar just keeps saying, I'm, not, I'm just not me, you know, anybody but me. I'm, I'm just a beggar. And then John Paul said to this man, before God, we are all beggars. And just to have that, that you know, there's a, a, a shepherd's heart, the heart of the the one who goes after, not the 99, and sometimes, by the way, I think the 99 are lost and maybe one is found, it seems like, sometimes in human history. But the Lord is uh, so solicitous, and this is where little children, uh, you know, Sophia Cavalletti, the foundress of the Catechese of the Good Shepherd, they, she discovered that their favorite image of Jesus is the Good Shepherd because he's approachable. He knows my name. If I get lost, he doesn't yell at me or he just finds me and picks me up and, he brings me home, and I said, when did we forget this about God? You know, to see him as a child sees him, that he knows that I hurt, and he also understands why, that we were damaged by original sin in ways that we didn't always, you know, didn't necessarily choose. But to just be like, you know, Macbeth trying to get the spot out, so then that once I'm clean, then I'll let him love me. That's impossible. Nobody can do it. And it's, it's a very rich source of humility. Humility to let God love you in your brokenness. Let him love you where you hurt. He knows, and he cares, and his love will begin to heal that. It might be a wound that will only be healed in heaven. It might be a wound that we have our whole life that God permits so that we don't drift, so we don't take things for granted, we don't become you know, judgmental and, and mean. I mean, we, we are kind because we're still working on our own brokenness, and, but not trying to fix it so much anymore is to be faithful in allowing the Lord to show us that he permits things that, uh, for his own reason. And sometimes it's the uh, you know, weeds in the weed field that we want to pull up, and he's like, no, 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 leave those. I, in my life, I mean, all the struggles I've had, I'd have to say I think they've begun slowly, but anyway, to soften my heart a little bit, to help me to be a better spiritual pastor, a, a better priest, a better confessor. You know, a little bit like when I, you know, start to get uppity and think I know, and then, you know, I think I'm a little, you know, quicker to say, oh, boy, you know, I'm sorry. I need to apologize. I uh, I need to, you know, remember the good shepherd and who um, is always kind. I mean, that what do they used to say that uh, it was love that builds a bridge and then the truth comes across, but first comes love, and that's the way the Lord treats sinners, and he loves us. I mean, it's 
so many times I ask people, do you know that God loves you? Do you believe? I mean, not just in your head, but have you ever experienced how he looks at you? Do you know what he sees in you? That he knows you in a way that you don't even know yourself. And he has been thinking about you from time immemorial. I mean, there's never been a time that, you know, that God hasn't been thinking about us in a way and wanting to give us a chance to love him, which always is, you know, the first step that Mary, where we get into trouble is we just stop receiving his love. We stop receiving God. And that's where Mary is such a beautiful role model is that if we receive, then we know how to give. But then once we start to give, we like the feeling of giving and then we're doing it all in all of a sudden, it's, it's, it's all these good works without the charity, which, you know, that we, many times, it's an occupational hazard. And I have no doubt that the Pharisees and the scribes, all the people that Jesus talks about, and they're all still around, incidentally. I mean, this is an occupational hazard for those of us trying to live our faith. But that they all started in a, you know, many of them started in a good way. And then they, something happened, and they stopped receiving God. And it became just them, I... A wise mother superior told me one time, she said, Father, don't you ever skip your retreat. We're supposed to make an annual retreat canonically. This is an obligation. She said, because if you don't make your retreat, you got nothing to give but yourself. And we don't want you. We want Jesus. <laughs> okay, <Yeah>. mother. <laughs> Point well taken. Uh-huh. I, uh, I'll keep that in mind. But it's true. I mean, if um, so many times we don't receive Jesus, and he wants to give himself to us, and he really does, if, just if we have the time and mostly um, Oscar Wilde, who left his wife for another man and had a lot of struggles and in jail, really had his conversion, so he became a Catholic. At the end of his life, he was uh, received in the church by his own request. Anyway, he said, how else but a broken heart could Lord Christ enter in? Well, uh, for most of us, it's true, you know, that uh, uh, before I was afflicted, I strayed, Psalm 119. So just until we kind of go through some stuff, and then... You know, we have to make some choices now. I'm broken, and I can't fix it, and I don't know what to do. Lord, if you're real and you're a divine physician, help me. And for many people, that's the beginning of their hope, the beginning of their conversion. And uh, then if we could just remember that, because then we typically we get well or we start to do well, and then we just uh, run off and we forget to you know, receive God, which we need to do every day. The, the prayer says, give us this day our daily bread. Whoa. Am I going to have to say this prayer tomorrow? Uh, Well, if you wake up, you're still alive? Yes, that would be a good idea. Say it every day, and uh, constancy brings about uh, the fidelity and the the docility so you can receive God. Anyway, Josh, I'm talking a lot today, which you say humble people are relatively quiet, so I guess (laughs) I put myself in, in a... Well, we 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 don't want dead air here. So no, you're 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 doing just fine, Father. Again, talking with Father Sam Martin here on the Inner Life. Our phone number eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine. If you'd like to call in and join the conversation as we talk about how we can grow in humility, that virtue that helps us overcome pride, that sin of pride in our lives. Again, the phone number, 888-914-9149. And Dave, you're up on deck. We'll get to your call coming up next here on The Inner Life. You're listening to Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. This hour is sponsored by St. Gregory Recovery Center, helping you or a loved one live a substance-free life. Information at relevantradio.com Gregory. That's relevantradio.com Gregory. Oh, come, all ye faithful, joyful and 
triumphant Oh come Oh come To Bethlehem Come and behold him Born the king of angels Oh come let us Adore him Oh come let us Adore him Oh come let us Adore him Christ the Lord Certain voices just seem to be appropriate around Christmas time like Nat King Cole, doesn't it? Welcome back to The Inner Life. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond. Today speaking with Father Sam Martin. Coming up uh, next week, I'm not sure, do you remember what day it is, Nick? Uh, Next week we're going to be talking about some of our favorite Christmas carols, Christmas hymns, ones that make this time of Advent and the season of Christmas uh, very special for us. So next Wednesday, not not in two days, but a, a week in two days. So I hope you can join us there on December 21st for that conversation. I hope you can join us every day here on The Inner Life. Uh, we have the opportunity to speak with so many different wonderful spiritual directors, different priests that help us just take that little extra step on our spiritual journey, know a little bit more about our faith, and help us in how we can apply that knowledge, how we can live that day in and day out. So thank you to all of them. Thank you to you for being a part of the program here listening today. If you'd like to call in, you can join the conversation. Our phone number is 888-914-9149. As today we're talking about how we can grow in humility. Then the phone number again, 888-914-9149. Father, let's go to Dave, who's listening in Michigan. Dave, welcome to The Inner Life. Uh, you have a prayer to share with us. Is that right? It's it's a quote that's helped me to grow in humility, and it's from Pope St. John Paul II, and here it is. Humility is not identified with humiliation or resignation. It is not accompanied by faint-heartedness. On the contrary, humility is creative submission to the power of truth and love. Humility is the rejection of appearances and superficiality. It is the expression of the depth of the human spirit. It is the condition of its greatness, unquote. And that's what I wanted to share. Well, there's a lifetime uh, in that, Dave. There's a whole bunch that uh, I was going to write down a little bit of it, but there's quite a bit of uh, meat on that bone. But uh, creative submission, for example, to you know a power greater than ours and... and um, just a lot of things that uh, a person can ruminate on to take it to prayer. And, uh, you know, because the goal is it's a beautiful prayer to Jesus, meek and humble of heart, make our hearts like unto thine, that we want to have a heart like our Lord. And uh, the different devotions that foster that. And in the end, uh, you know, the humility that is uh, the beginning of, of freedom it is a person that is uh, just ready to receive whatever God gives. And Mother Teresa used to say that, that I give what he takes and I receive what he gives and uh, to accept all things in that spirit of trust. So uh, that's good, Dave. You probably That's a quote that you've had for a while probably, and it's given you uh, courage and hope in circumstances that weren't sometimes so easy, I bet, huh? 
yeah. just made me think he's probably a classic example of she wasn't faint-hearted, that's for sure, and she was great. Right. And she was full of humility. Oh, what a great example. Thank you. Yeah, God bless you. Enjoy your uh, Advent. Happy Feast to Our Lady of Guadalupe, and um, keep that heart humble and, and holy. All right. Thanks, Dave, for the call and for sharing those words from St. John Paul II. You know, I, I think one of the things that we could do for days and days, Father, is try and have a better understanding of what humility is, have a better understanding of what the sin of pride is. <clears throat> but with all of that reflection, I think it still comes down to, okay, once I have this knowledge, what do I do with it? How do I take knowing that I need to grow in this virtue of humility? What are some some practices, some, uh, you know, maybe practical ways that we can say, this is something I can do in my life that lets me get rid of pride, that kind of inordinate focus on self? And how can I really make that focus on others? How can I grow in that? Well, just to be around other people is a great opportunity to, to you know, grow in humility. That If people don't belong to a parish, for example, they miss all the cast of characters that God brings together. So Jesus, when he assembles his apostolic college, these 12 guys, they, they're all over the map, and that's how they're going to grow. That's how they're, they're going to really kind of, um, you know, wear on each other but demand greater charity. And if anything is an expression of, of a humble heart, it's the willingness, the desire to love people that aren't always so lovable. So I used to say that um, when I had a grade school with lots of kids around, I'd, I could go down there and tear them up in basketball. When they're only second, third grade, I mean, I wasn't going to mess with the high school kids anymore. I'm too old, and those guys had torches. So, but do you get better when you beat up on the... No, you don't. I mean, so if you, do you get holy if you never hang out with people that are striving for holiness? No. I'd, so we got to get out of, like, our comfort zone and the parishes, you know, typically meets that criteria. We, we're not a homogenous group of people with all the same backgrounds. So you're going to rub, uh, you know, it, up against people you might not necessarily have chosen. But that's the point, is to be around people that um, stretch us for greater glory. That's a humbling thing, is to love the people in front of you, beginning with our own families. You know, like, I love them when they, be, you know, become what I want them to be. Well, that's going to take a while, you know, and maybe if they became what they want, you want them to be, that'd be a disaster for the world anyway. So, uh, but the simple way of, of loving people f- for who they are, and that then can equip them, enable them to become what God wants them to be. Uh, just being around other people, I know that uh, John Paul Sartre, his definition of, of hell was that it was other people. He's a little dark, and uh, we'd say that... Uh, Christ is passing by, and he's in every person. And so uh, you look at a person like a Mother Teresa, and she'd say, well, sometimes Jesus, you know, he's in distressing disguise. He's in there, but if you haven't prayed enough, if you're not spiritually mature enough, if you really haven't, you know, taken your faith seriously, then you're not going to be able to see him. He's in there, but you're you're not ready for it. So a lot of times circumstances indicate that i got a long way to go. Well, that's okay. Uh, that's not meant to be a discouraging thing, but... Uh, an invitation. So the practical, you love the people in front of you. And if that's a struggle, then we need to pray. We have to ask for the grace to see Christ in, in each other. A devotion to Mary is one that always fosters a, a kind of a, a perseverance. I mean, I think people that pray the rosary, 
I don't know if they could ever do a, a study, but the people that regularly pray the rosary, do they ever really fall away from their faith? Do they ever really just kind of give up? I don't know. There's something about it. There's a, such a simple prayer, but it's a devotional one, and there's something about that prayer that has helped countless Christians stay Christian and uh, you know, to realize that it's a long, slow path to holiness and conversion. It takes a lifetime. And if we're going to live a long time or a short time, it'll take all the time that we've got. I think another way to, to grow in humility, not just remember our sins. That's not hard at all. It's like, uh, you know, what's the bad news? So that's everywhere. Seeing the good, that's a source of humility. Recognizing how good God is to us, all the things that he's done for us, all the ways that he blesses us, and, and all the graces. I mean, I think that's a constant source of humility to say that, oh God, how great thou art. You know, that if you watch the Jimmy Stewart movie, it's, it's a wonderful life where he gets into trouble is that he doesn't see the good anymore. All he sees is all the things that he got shortchanged, that everybody else got to do and he didn't. And then the angel shows him that, my God, you've had a wonderful life. And then he finally, the scales fall from his eyes. And remembering the goodness of the Lord is, uh, is a source of humility. It's to yeah. say, God, you always outdo me in generosity. You're so good to me. And that humbles us. And it leads to real worship and adoration and praise to say, God, you, it is right and just that you are praised. You are worthy of all the adoration and love that we can muster. Yeah. Then, you know, as you're saying that too, Father, it makes me think not only is there that gratitude on what God has given us, but I, I think the people that I've known who seem to live out that virtue of humility to maybe a greater degree, you know, the, at least the ones I, I can see myself, they seem to be usually the happiest people I know. And they, I, I think part of that is because they just enjoy life more because they're genuinely happy for the success of others. You know, they recognize the blessings they have, but they're not worried about competition. They're not worried about, oh, this person got so much, or like you were talking about, you know, the George Bailey character in It's a Wonderful Life, looking at all the ways that he didn't, you know, get the things he wanted. They're just content with the blessings that they have, and I think they more readily recognize those blessings in others. That's, uh, which is a source of joy, no doubt exactly. about it. Comparisons that, you know, there are lots of traps that the devil hates, Humility. They used to say that he was a creature depicted without knees, because the knee is a source of. I mean, that if you can bend the knee at the name of Jesus, that shows that your power is uh, being submissive to His. And the essence of the diabolical is that the, the not just the inability, but the absolute refusal to kneel before God ever. And that's of course the height of, of arrogance and pride. So we want to uh, not be threatened by other people's goodness, but to rejoice in it. And uh, the, once again. Uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary would uh, she would be a real role model on this day of Our Lady Guadalupe that uh, she's always proclaiming others even in her eyes that have been studied in that image you know the optometrists and so forth would say that what are in her eyes the people that were in front of her the right. bishop and the others that that's what is reflected in her eyes so she was always like her son Jesus who was a being for others and if we can imitate the Lord. We'll be so happy for others and their successes, and that brings greater joy, that we're not threatened, but we're uh, ennobled by those things, and that uh, we can imitate those things because that's what virtuous people do, but we don't have to, you know, I have to be holier than that person. At the end of the litany of humility, what does it say? That others may, be as ho may become holier than I, granted that I become as holy as I should yeah. be. Well, 
that sounds like a good phrase. <laughs> well, and I'm glad you brought that up, that litany of humility. I've mentioned that and recommended it on the air a few times here uh, at, in different shows. But that's one that I would highly, highly recommend as a great prayer to turn to. Uh, it's, it's a scary prayer. It's a dangerous prayer, but um, uh, it is one that I would highly recommend that you look up, the litany of humility. Uh, Father, we're down to about our last minute. Before we wrap up, could I ask you to offer a blessing for all of our listeners today? Absolutely. Through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, Our Lady Guadalupe, may you be filled with peace and joy this day and all days. May God bless you and your loved ones in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks. Always good to talk with you, Father Sam Martin. And want to also say thank you to Nick Sentovich, to Sarah Tafoya, Cyrus Simcoe, helping to produce the program here today. Thank you for listening, being a part of the program. Want to encourage you to join us tomorrow. We're going to be talking about virtues, but going to the cardinal virtues. Those four cardinal virtues, do you know what they are? We'll tell you about those, how they are so crucial to the spiritual life. That's coming up tomorrow here on The Inner Life. Of course, want to encourage you to stay tuned. We've got Mass coming up starting in about 30 seconds. That's followed by The Faith Explained with Kale Clark. And I hope you have a wonderful day celebrating this feast of Our Lady, Our Lady of Guadalupe. May God bless you. Have a wonderful afternoon. <laughs>